This is the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Gallagher, Jr. Special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. You can find Steve on steveazar.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we appreciate uh, everybody's loyalty in those first two seasons we've had, and we look forward to a great season three. Today I'm excited to have one of the best coaches in men's golf and college golf. That's Chuck Winstead from LSU. Grew up in Reston, Louisiana, and uh, played his college golf at LSU, played a little professionally, and then got into the teaching side of it, worked with such teachers as Bob Toskey, Jim Flick, Martin Hall, and uh, a great instructor, and then uh, got his dream job at his alma mater. And I can't wait to uh, hear his story, so let's get Chuck uh, on the line. Today, I'm excited to have one of the best college golf coaches uh, on the men's side in the country. That's my good friend, Chuck Winstead of the LSU Tigers. Chuck, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to be here, Jim. Thank you. Well, uh, it's fun to get you coaches on here to kind of get some tips out there to the junior golfers and even the college golfers and, and you know, kind of what separates the elite uh, players from the average and maybe what goes through the process of of getting them to get to college and, and trying to make the good decisions in tournaments and everything. But let's just start with you and how you got started in this great game. Sure. I, uh, I've been blessed. I, uh, I grew up in a small town in North Louisiana, uh, Ruston. Um, there was a nine hole golf course there with two sets of tees. Now they've got a beautiful golf course there, Squire Creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that didn't exist when I, when I was growing up. And, um, I, uh, I worked my way into, uh, situation where I ended up at LSU, played a little bit down here, played a little bit afterwards, but uh, really spent more time teaching the game um, after college. Uh, I was fortunate to, to work for some some of the Hall of Famers, you know, I mean, the Bob Toskies of the world, and Jim Flicks of the world, and and, uh, and through that, uh, I guess, uh, process, met a man by the name of Martin Hall, who mm-hmm. um, to, to this day is my best friend, and um and uh, Uncle Martin, as my kids would call him, has, hmm. has been a great mentor to me. Uh, and um, I, like I said, I, I spent a number of years uh, teaching golf um, and uh, reached a point where Jennifer, my wife, and I, uh, we were in South Florida, uh, decided that we wanted to try to move back home. And um, I, um, you know, I, it, a funny story, but I had read a book uh, that Tom Kite wrote. Uh, a fairway to heaven and it was essentially about harvey pinnock mm-hmm. um and um you know it, it it really kind of spoke to me because i i even though i had done a little bit of the golf channel stuff uh and some magazine stuff i i was so far away from um what i considered home um and, and so jennifer and i we made the decision to to move back i taught at english turn in new orleans for a couple of years and then the opportunity arose where I could move back to Baton Rouge, which is where we really wanted to live, um, raise our family in a college town and, and, and take the kids to the LSU football games. You know, the, you know, the story. Sure. Um, but, uh, but we, we taught at university club for, for a number of years. Um, and, um, Skip Bertman, who was the athletic director at the time, the hall of fame baseball coach, and then athletic director at LSU, they, they had made a change in the, in the, in the coaching situation at LSU and he, he and I met, um, and I really didn't know, you know, a whole lot about college coaching other than I played in college and kind of watched it from afar. Um, but it worked out where, where I took the job and, and it's been a blessing. I mean, the, the idea that I've done this now 16 years, um, is kind of crazy to me. 
Um, but, uh, but having done it at my alma mater, um, you know, kind of the opposite end, opposite end of the range as, as to where I was, where I was teaching and, and, um, you know, it's, it's just been a really cool experience. How did go back to the teachers with Flick and Toski? How did you get hooked up with those guys? Cause those guys, like you said, legendary teachers, some of the best in the game. How did you get hooked up with those guys? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know how a kid from Ruston, Louisiana ends up teaching, uh, with, with some of those guys. Um, I, um, I was, you know, it's, it's, it's always a small world in golf, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I was, I, I had gone to the Hank Haney golf ranch, um, and kind of explored, um, kind of a little bit of what they were doing over there and, and, um, and was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do next in golf after playing. Um, and, and a buddy of mine, Perry Moss, mm-hmm. um, he was, he was a rookie on the PGA tour, uh, and he was playing and didn't really have a caddy, um, per se. And, and he just said, Hey, you, you want to come caddy for me in Memphis? Um, and I was like, sure, you know, I, that's great. So, so I, I went to Memphis, um, and I met, uh, a guy on the range by the name of Mark Wood. I don't know if you know Mark. I know who he um, is. Yeah. But Mark. Yeah, Mark was working with David Toms at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, we were hanging out, you know, and, and I got to talking to Mark, great guy, um, and um, and he was running a golf center in South Florida, the Bob Topsy Golf Learning Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, but I ended up going down to work for Mark with under the Bob Topsy Golf Learning Center, uh, and that's kind of how I started. Through that, met Jim Flick and Mark Hall and, and, and that whole kind of group. When you look back at that, and you've got guys with not different theories, I guess, but three different points of view, what did you learn the most from those guys? What did you do? You take bits and pieces to take into your own coaching philosophy, or what do you take when you look back at that? What you kind of learn from those guys? Yeah, I I would say that I was really on a quest, um, you know, to learn as much as I could from as many different people as I could, mm-hmm. um, and. and you know, I think Martin had a lot to my, my own curiosity. My, my father was a college professor and, and um, kind of my own curiosity. And also Martin had a lot to do with that. Uh, Martin's 13 years older than I am. And, and he had been kind of on a similar quest. And, and so I, I tried to learn as much as I could from, and I was the young guy on the staff, right? So, mm-hmm. so it was a it was benefit. I was of no threat to anyone. I can assure you that. Um, and, and these guys were, were legends in, in golf instruction. So uh, they were um, too kind to me to, to bring me kind of in all each of them uh, and, and kind of share kind of their thoughts and their views. And, and, and you know, like any, uh, I guess, intern, um, if you had a chance and you wanted to be a surgeon one day and you were around great surgeons, you, you'd pick up bits and pieces from, from all of them. Um, sure. I felt like I certainly did that. And, um, you know, over the course of time, just, you know, I, like I said, I mean, I was just blessed to be in the situation and then thankful to those guys for, for caring enough about a young guy like me to, to share that information. Well, you mentioned your dad being a college professor. Do you think that's maybe why you enjoy teaching so much and you're still coaching? You're still teaching. I mean, you're still teaching as a coach. Yeah. there's no doubt. I mean, my dad has been my, my role model my, my entire life. And, and, you know, what I watched in him was somebody who is as selfless a human being as I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. Um, he, whether, it was, whether it was teaching in college or whether it was uh, teaching Sunday school or, or, or coaching a, 
you know, a church league basketball team. I mean, it, it was never about him. It was always about, you know, his students or his players. And, and that, that's a goal of mine. And that, that's something that I, I try to aspire to, to this day. When you think back and, and coach Burtman gave you that uh, opportunity to dream job coaching at your alma mater, can you go back to those feelings and kind of that whole experience when you get the call said, I'm going to be the men's coach at the LSU with the LSU Tigers. <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it, it was a really cool feeling, and, and it was also, um, you know, I, I I was teaching in Baton Rouge, and and, and um, you know, fortunately, people, I mean, I had I had a book, you know, lesson book where I was booked three months out, and and people were were driving here to take golf instruction, and and then I get the job um, at LSU, and, and the last thing, you know people are motivated by different things, but the last thing I could possibly view in my mind was picking up my life in South Florida, intentionally moving back here to build a life, taking a job at LSU and then somehow failing. Right. Um, so while, while I was extremely excited, um, because you know, I, how cool is it to work with, you know, eight or nine guys who have huge dreams. And, and I mean, that, that's just, it, it's so cool to be able to do that. Um, I also uh, was was very realistic about the idea that this could not be a failure. Um, I I didn't want to I didn't want to be the guy who was the golf instructor who ended up being a college golf coach and then LSU golf never succeeded. Um, so um, you know I I was certainly motivated to to make sure that we built a program that that everybody could be proud of. Um, you know, and, and, and still am today. And boy, have you, you've won an SEC championship. You've got SEC players. You won a national championship in 2015. You got David Toms that comes back, all your ex players. That's the cool thing I think about LSU and my wife, Sissy played there. My sister, Jackie played there. And I've been kind of welcomed in, even though I'm a Tennessee ball, uh, I've been welcomed in by everybody down there. And that was the cool part that LSU welcomes back their past players. They're present. They take care of their people. And it's kind of like a home, and it's an atmosphere of winning. And that's an attitude that I think everybody says. Garrett Runyon, who was your assistant, now the women's coach, said that. It's an attitude about winning. And that's the cool part about LSU. Uh, but just pressures. And I think that's the, that's the tough part for coaches. And with recruiting, you're trying to be the top players and, and bring those guys in. But when you won that national championship and you said you didn't want to fail, what was that kind of feeling that day when you all finally did that? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's obviously kind of a dream moment. Um, you know, I, I, uh, b- by the way, there was another young lady that played at LSU by the name of Kathleen. Oh yeah. I forgot. I remember her. Well, she's, um, she's related to me in some form or matter. You're right. Yeah. 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 I think she is. <laughs> she, she, she's a special young lady, but, uh, but that aside, um, you know, the, the, the idea that we've taken with the program is, is always to, to have our guys improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, that, 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 that's kind of our, our bottom line is we, we want to be the team that, that, that is known as, as, as continuing to get better and, um, and having guys on the team that continue to improve. Um, you know, I mean, our, we, we talk a lot about, you know, I mean, it, it goes without saying, but, but in any sport, you have to be able to handle adversity. You've got to be able to remove distractions to, to be great, but we want our guys, um, to show improvement over the time that they're in college. Um, and, and that's been, you know, I get whether that's because I, from my teaching background or not, I, I just know that there are so many different ways for young people to lower their scoring average. Um, 
And, and, and I, I use scoring average, but I also use, you know, what's your best look like and what's your, you know, when you have your best, how low can you, can, can that be? And, and, and when you don't have your best, how low can that also be? Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's both ends of those, um, you know, and, and um, so for our guys, you know, whether it be a, a John Peterson who came in or an Andrew Loop or, or, you know, I get a smiley Sam, ben, you know, it was always, you know, where do they start from? Um, and, and they have huge dreams. What do we need to do to try to affect that where they continue to improve while in college? So, and that to me is, is, is a measurable, it, mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not an emotional thing. It's not, um, man, I wish they got better or I think they got better because they had a really good finish here. It's we, we act, we measure what they do. Um, you know, and, and, and I could go through the list, but I mean, they're the guys, you know, their, their scoring averages go down two or three shots from the time they're freshmen until the time they leave here. Well, you, um, meant, you mentioned and, that. That's what the kids say. They want to improve. That's part of one of their big decisions when they go to college. They want to go somewhere where they think they can get better. Uh, to, to me, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really kind of simple. I mean, they, 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 they go to college to obtain a degree, mm-hmm. um, whether that's a business degree or, or mar- you know, whatever. And they also should be, in my opinion, I mean, they're, they're spending an enormous amount of time to also chase this, what I call PGA Tour degree. Right. Um, and, and there are measurables to obtain that. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, if they come to college, um, every one of them have a, what I call a golf DNA, kind of their own, what they look like. And, mm-hmm. and they may not know, but, but, but we figure that out pretty quick. Um, so a kid like John Peterson, he's no kid anymore, but, but, uh, when he came to college, accuracy off the tee was not an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he didn't, he didn't have enough ball speed. Um, so we needed a plan in the gym that would continue to improve his body where he could create enough ball speed to be able to play after college. Um, and yet on the greens, he was so far away from being a tour player that it was obvious that we needed to spend some time there. Um, and he, he went from, uh, averaging three putts over three, three putts per round his freshman year and averaged 74.10 to finishing college at LSU, where he led our team in three putt avoidance and, and, and averaging 71.50. Um, and, and that, that's the kind of, but, but they're all different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that's John's story, but, but, you know, I could go through the list of the guys that they all have a little different story, but there are ways for them to ready themselves for that next level. When you're seeing PJ tour players use the stats, I mean, they've got shot link, of course, with everything known to mankind and they're using that they're finding their, their weaknesses. You know, when we were playing, we just kind of said, well, you know, I need to work on this, but we didn't really have any data backing that up. It was just a gut feeling. Uh, but you mentioned the right. gym. I think that's one of the biggest changes. I don't know about, when you're a little bit younger than I am, but when we played, I mean, and, and I had Hal Sutton on the, the podcast. I mean, we, we were afraid to lift weights. It's going to mess up your golf swing. We didn't do those kind of things. And I think it's, that's one of the biggest changes. Don't you think in college golf? No question. No question. I mean, I, the, the, the way that, 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 um, you know, just that component of what goes on now, um, is so unique to, to, to this time frame um, compared to in the past. Um, and the guys are the benefits from it. The and the ladies, you know, I mean, they mm-hmm. they benefit from from really training their bodies in a way where, you know, one they're 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 unlikely to to be injured, and and two they they're building speed. 
they're building stability, which which improves, uh, you know, I mean, all kinds of aspects of, of their ability to be, you know, able to be consistently uh, good ball strikers. Well, you mentioned Kathleen. That's what she would say. You know, she played basketball, played all the sports, and I, which I think kids should growing up. I think it's so important for their development. But she would come back. She says, "Man, these workouts are tough." But it's just, it's you know, and, and she would complain, you know, just being the way she was. But yeah. I was like, yeah, hey, I don't want to get up at 5.30 in the morning either to work out. But don't, I mean, that's what I think for the kids. And this is why I wanted to do this podcast to get this information out. You know, they, oh, yeah, I want to go play college golf. Well, college golf's a job, guys. I mean, it is bottom line. Oh, it's a job, don't you think? We've got to balance everything. Time management's so important. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and you know, those, those work, you know, it's funny, I I can remember, I mean, almost everything that I believe is, is, is come from some mistake I made and that I learned, um, along the way. And I can remember coming out of here one day early when I was coaching and, and I think Peterson and loop and, and maybe Ross, their roommate, they were asleep on the couches out here at the team building. And, uh, and it was like one in the afternoon. We we're about to start practice at one thirty. I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world? Like, how could they be asleep at one o'clock? And I'm doing the math, you know, they, they were, I had them getting up, as you say, 5.30 in the morning, three days a week. They're not going to bed at 8.30 at night like I do. Um, you know, so we've adjusted over time. You know, we, we still have 6, 6.30 workouts a couple of days a week, but we also do a Monday evening workout around 5.30 p.m. to try to balance out and help them get get a little sleep. But uh we're learning as we go. Well, how do you balance, uh, like, I've seen the squats, the heavy lifting during the season. I mean, you've got, obviously, the best training staff in the world, and that's one of the great things about college golf. You get to use the football, the basketball, the baseball, all the different, uh, you know, benefits of that. But how do you balance the heavy workouts, or do you just kind of go more stretching and light as the season continues and as opposed to off-season? We... we... In my opinion, I've got a couple guys here at LSU, Greg Golden and Corey Couture, who I think are as good as I've had in 16 years. They're, they're fantastic at training our guys. Um, and, and there's a blend. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they are heavier uh, in the off season, so to speak, you know, as far as putting on masks. Um, you know, we use DEXA scans that, that give us complete readouts of where their body's composition is. Um, and, and then we build a plan for each one of them whether it's, you know, heavy or whether it's more mobility, you know, I mean, and, and balance that throughout the semester around what their, their, you know, tournament action is and workload. So it's not a just, you know, I mean, I, I know that when I started at LSU, uh, we had an assistant of a football guy uh, in there, and I went in there and, you know, n- no disrespect, but that lasted one time mm-hmm. um, because we weren't getting what, our guys needed to get, um, and, and you know, no school that's out there has been perfect in every way that they go about doing what they do. So, so it's 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 on it's on the coaches, it's on us to, to learn and see kind of what's going on in there, and then adjust and, and build around it. So we've done that over time here at LSU, and and uh, and I'm thrilled with with the way that we go about it in the waiver. Yeah, because you see a lot of kids, and I've watched just watching Kathleen and Mary Langdon, just the kids are they're hurt from working out. Either they're not doing it correctly or not the supervision or what they're doing. Uh, so that's a big sure. balance to try to balance. Golfers are not 
like softball players or they're all different. Their bodies are all different. Some are more athletic than others. Uh, and I think that's no a doubt. cool part that you, you pinpoint. I'm going to do this for Chuck Winstead. I'm going to do this for Jim Gallagher. Uh, and I think that's, that's so important. But uh, to back, back to winning the national championship, how much pressure is there? And you're competing in one of the best conferences, if not the best conference in the, in the country. How much pressure is there to win a second one and to continue – uh, to get the best players in there. That's got to be a kind of – and recruiting's changed so much now with the pandemic. I mean, that's a lot of things coming in there to get the best players there. How do you get those best players? What are you looking for in a player uh, to come to LSU? You know, that's a great question. As far as the, the pressure, the, there can never be more pressure than I put on myself. So okay. I, I don't worry about – I don't worry about outside uh, pressures. They, they – you know, my, my internal, you know, kind of how I feel about – you know, the excellence of the program, what we aspire to be, uh, is always going to be at a different level than anybody else. Um, you know, and, and I didn't come to LSU thinking that we had to win a national championship. Um, I, I came to LSU wanting to make sure that I was the right kind of mentor, the right kind of role model for young men as they became men. Um, and, and then to make sure that we built a program where they could improve as we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And, my feeling is is that um, as long as we're continuing to do that, the wins, the championships, you know, there, there are a lot of great programs out there and fantastic college golf coaches that haven't won a national championship. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot that goes into getting in that situation. You know, Coach Burton, um, he told me a long time ago, you just want to be good enough to be around it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because if, if you're if you're good enough to be around it, then then hopefully one day your guy will hit the home run in the bottom of the ninth. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, that's kind of our, you know, we, we want to, you know, sometimes, sometimes it, things are going to go. I mean, we, we lost in the semis in, in, in 2014. We lost in the quarters in 2016, um, you know, but, but in 15, it kind of all worked out, um, you know, but, but I, I guess going back to, to kind of what we look for, I mean, you know, <laughs> in, it's hard to shoot a high score if you hit the ball really well. Mm. It's not impossible, mm -hmm. but it's hard to hit a high, hard to shoot a high score if you hit the ball really well. So um, we look for guys um, that you know, and, and I would say that that our kind of overall philosophy of recruiting is into out. I mean, it's kind of close to home and and, and to, to further away. Um, so if I can find a young man in Louisiana or or state Mississippi or a state that's that's contiguous to Louisiana, you know, I mean, um, you know, that, that kind of wants to be here, loves what we do, believes in the process of what we do. And, 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 and it's a, a good ball striker. Um, you know, that, you know, take care of his work, stay out of trouble. Those are that's kind of what we look for. Um, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that Zach Wright didn't come from Arizona. He mm -hmm. did. And I'm thankful he did. Uh, you know, and Curtis Thompson came from Florida and, and whatnot. But but that that's kind of the nature. We we try to build a, a unit that that sees things the same way. It's got a lot in common. Um, and, and and I would you know I would say that we've had success with guys who are high level ball strikers. Um, you know, you you get in the van with five guys who are going to hit the ball in the fairway ten times that day and, and on the green thirteen times that day. You're going to be competitive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that chipping and putting isn't isn't great. I mean, you know, like I say, it's it's hard to shoot a high score if you hit it good. Well, 
it's hard to shoot a low score if you don't make any putts. True. Um, so, you know, so in college, if you can fill the van up with guys who can hit it really good, then you're going to be competitive. Now, for those guys to be elite amateurs or have the chance to go to the next level, then they got to start to see some of those mid-range jump shots go in. Um, you know, they got they got to hold some putts. But uh, but that's kind of I don't know if that answers. No, that answers that's it. Kind of snap, yeah, snapshot of what we look for. What separates, in your opinion, you've been around some of the best players in college, and now they're pros, and you yourself playing. What separates that elite player from the average? Because most people are average. There's very few elite elite players. But what separates maybe that elite athlete or that elite player? That's a great question. I, I think I ought to be asking the Ryder Cup for that one. Um, I'd love to know, I'd love to know your, your answer on that one, Champ. Um, you know, I, you know, I think you know. In my opinion, really good ball hitters, um, week in week out, where they don't find it hard to do. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that. I mean, it's always going to be hard at times, but but it. There's some people that just don't find hitting the golf ball as hard as others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think those guys. Um, they show up not not looking for their golf swing. So all of a sudden, it opens up so many doors. You know, that, then they can spend their time pitching it, making sure that, that they can attack flags because they can pitch it from short-sided. Um, you know, I mean, if you're out there all day long and you can't pitch it from short-sided, then you're aiming 30, 40 feet all day, and you're not making any birdies. So what, what I tell our guys is, is that, you know, I mean, you've got to know your day. Like it, right? I mean, you've got to know kind of what you, but but we have to be able to attack flags with wedges, um, and and then if when we miss, we've got to be good enough around the greens that they don't all turn into bogeys, um, you know. And, and it's kind of a, a birdie bogey race, right? I mean, you, you've got to make five, four or five, uh, and then you got to run the bogeys away. Um, so, from from our perspective, um, what makes great players is. Is probably a combination of, of really good iron play, proximity work, um, and then and then when they short side themselves, they don't all turn into bogeys, and then they have at least moments where they're very effective inside of twenty feet. Well, I think that's part of it. I think one of the, to me, and you asked asked me what I think. It's 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 that mental inner drive, desire to succeed and to do whatever it takes to be the great, the greatest. I, I think it's it's yeah. I think that's combined with what you're mentioning in the ball striking i think it's that's what separates them they walk in there expecting to win expecting now they may not do it uh but there there's not a lot of fear uh, there's a difference t- between being cocky and arrogant in my opinion cocky to me is confident i like that i like the way you know, the way somebody walks i mean gary woodland the way he walks is like a gladiator walking into the arena i mean i just love the way he walks like an athlete i mean brooks kepka those guys walk with that uh, swag as, as the kids like to say and I, I think that's that's a big part of it they just hey i'm, I'm better than you but in a, in a good way not in a cocky in a con- an arrogant way but in a tough com- competitive way and i think that's to me is what i've seen what separates those guys that mental edge nicholas tiger all those greats mentally have it over some other people uh, and and i think that's that's one of the big things that separates them yeah i i couldn't agree more I, i'd love to hear so, so, so I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, you know, competitive toughness and that that edge and 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 feeling. My, it, it's so it's the chicken or the egg question. Like, 
did that originate? Did they have that? And that led to the ability to do the things I was talking about, you know, attack flag, short side, putting, that type of thing. Or, or did they develop that through skills that they had? Mm-hmm. Like they, they had run over people before. So as they, as they continue to run over people, um, they continue to build that swag. Um, you know, I, I don't have an answer for that, but I am, you know, I, I, I always think about, I guess the way I always have looked at this is kind of like your mental bank account. Um, you know, these, these, these young players or college players, they, they, when they go out and they have, you know, a really great day, they, they shoot 67, whatever they, they fire and they're, you know, then they get a deposit. They go out and shoot 76, they get a withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And in different moments, those withdrawals and deposits are more, um, they, they matter more because maybe the, the 67 came at the end of the SEC championship and, and gave them a fifth place finish. Or the 76 came at the end of the SEC championship and it, and it caused them to finish 30th. So anyway, I just, while yeah. we're talking about it, I, you know, it, it's curious to me, kind of the chicken or the egg question, like, does that attitude begat the the results or did the results kind of almost kind of train the attitude i think for me and i i'm not putting i don't know what brooks is thinking i've, I've watched him you know he didn't have instant success you watched him play at florida state you watched him how he developed yep. and and had to go to europe i think going over there taught him to be tougher uh and he didn't want to fail and he the underdog role so to speak now he's the favorite i think for me it was like i wasn't the best player in the state of indiana the guy named larry goswar who was the number one player or number two player in the country uh, i couldn't beat him and finally i beat him uh, and it was just so rewarding that no i was doing it right and and working hard but i always kind of took that underdog role. I beat Seve in the Ryder Cup. That was an underdog role. I've always kind of embraced sure. embraced that. So that was me. That's what drove me. Uh, I think maybe that's what drives some of these guys you see on tour that maybe didn't have the success that Justin Thomas or, or Jordan Spieth did in college at amateur golf. And, and they had that desire to take that underdog role. And I think that, that com- combined with everything we talked about, is what separates them. That's what made them great. It keeps making them great. So mm-hmm. I, that, that's, that's a, you know, it, it is a tough question to answer. I just like to hear everybody's perspective. And then, like you said, you take bits and pieces from everybody and you, you learn from it. But one of the unique uh, situations you have is you have your son Trey on the team and you're coaching him <laughs> and you're his dad. So from the Chuck Winstead, the dad view, uh, that's got to be a tough balance because I mean, for, I know, cause I work with my dad as my instructor it's like, okay, here's dad lecturing me. Or, and you're not like that, but just being tough on me. But how do you balance that uh, and with the other players? Uh, sometimes you're tougher on your own kids than you are the other players sometimes. Do. Yeah, it, it it would be, and I mean this sincerely, it, it would be, I, I can imagine, I've watched it enough, it would be tougher if, if it wasn't Trey specifically. He, he his mom did a great job with him. That kid has <laughs> got a heart of gold. He does, um, and he can hand, he can handle uh, a lot of me, um, where maybe another kid could couldn't handle a lot of me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean there there are times where um, you know where I, I am probably harder on him than, than the other guys, um, but uh, but he handles it like a champ, and um, and we always knew in this situation that that was probably going to be the case. Um, you know, and and yet. He and I both wanted it, uh, mm-hmm. and most importantly, he wanted it. Um, 
you know, I, I told him early on that if he wanted to go around and look at, at other universities and talk to coaches that we certainly, I'd, I'd, I'd take him anywhere he wanted to go. Um, you know, but he didn't, he didn't aspire for that. And then, you know, because of that, we made a point to make sure that we let the coaches know as soon as he knew that so that we didn't waste anybody's time. Yeah. And I think it's such a cool experience that you get to go through it together. Uh, it's like you said, it's a blessing. It's something you'll always remember those times. And as Trey is uh, an, uh, just an elite person, uh, and just a good kid. I mean, he's always kind and thoughtful and just the times I've been around him and you, you both done it, done a good job. We both have great wives that kind of keep us in line. Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say, I was going to say we both got kicked our coverage. They, uh, they pretty much. Yeah, pretty much did that. But back to coaching, uh, you know, you had to cancel in the spring last year. It seems like we're almost a whole year with this pandemic. But then the fall, the SEC made a decision to play fall golf, and that had to be exciting. I've talked to so many coaches, and your first event is at the Blessings. And all the SEC teams, men and women, are there, long rounds. But y'all got paired together as a group in the five, the same team together, where usually it's the different things. That had to be something different, and there's some challenges there coaching. It's good from the coaching part because you could see everybody, but to keep them motivated and paying attention, that had to be a unique situation, being all together in one group. Yeah, it, it was, and, and, and quite frankly, we, we had a little post-traumatic stress disorder going back up there um, because we had played the national championship up there and, and, and not played um, all that well, so... I, I knew going up there, and, and it's a beautiful place. Mr. Tyson has done an unbelievable job. It's a challenging golf course, and we had just not played all that well in the national championship. So going up there, our guys, I, I knew, I mean, I could sense that they, they had a little bit of, 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 of kind of trepidation, but, but they, they managed themselves well. You know, playing the five, some, um, you know, I, I probably didn't do a good enough job uh, explaining to our group that when something negative happened to one of their their guys, they kind of had to be in their own bubble. Um, I think it's, it, um, you know, quite frankly, I think, I think it's one of those type situations where um, if everybody's playing well, um, you kind of ride that momentum. Mm -hmm. But if you start to see your teammate struggle, uh, then you start to get distracted by his struggle. Uh, And if he was in a different group, you wouldn't see it necessarily. So you're not necessarily, you know, so I I think I could have done it could have done a better job coaching up there and, and tried to, to, to instill even more that you really have to stay in your own game. Um, I think I every coach would guys, say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was, it was a great experience and, and thankful to, to Mr. Tyson, the university of Arkansas for putting it on for sure. You mentioned the blessings. I, uh, Judy Rankin and I went out there and played and she said, man, even the driving range is tough. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I played it and it, it about did, it about did me in. I said, Judy, we don't need to leave. We need to get out of here. <laughs> I can't even play on the driving range. But it's a like you said, it's a it's beautiful, a beautiful place. place. It really it's, is. It's, it's always been in great shape. It is. And in the fall, uh, you guys had uh, three young players get some experience, and that had to be f- huge because you end up finishing ranked sixteenth uh, and got some of those guys some experience. But when you look forward to the spring. Looks like y'all are going to probably play a mostly an SEC schedule again. Uh, how do you get the guys ready uh, for the spring and coming out maybe some time off uh, at home or whatever? How do you get them ready to, to come up for the uh, spring season? Yeah, we, we started yesterday. And, and, you know, I mean, from, from the standpoint of from the workout to, to practice, um, we've got a hunger group. 
we mm. we've got we've got a really hungry group of guys, um, and that's all a coach could ever want. They they are they are, they want to be great, uh, and and we're just gonna. It's like we talked about yesterday. I mean, I, I I did an interview after we won the national championship in 2015, and I and and when people were asking me how you do, and I and I said it doesn't happen overnight. It's like putting a drop of bucket, you know, drop of water in a bucket. One day the bucket fills up. And it's the same thing with this group of guys. We, we have a young back end of our lineup. You know, Garrett Barber and Trey Winstead on the front end and, and a younger kind of back end of the lineup, and, and that's okay. Um, we, uh, we're we're going to put a drop in the bucket every single day, and, and I know that by the end of this season that they'll be playing some really, really good golf. And they're playing against the best. I think that's the that's that's huge. And, and you do. You might get beat up a little bit, but – uh, when you when you end it all up and you you have a good solid week, I mean a fifth or sixth place finish, all people go that's terrible. Well, when you're playing against the best teams in the country, and it's pretty solid, uh, and you learn from those experiences, and there's no better way than to get in there against the best and and, and see what hey I got to work on this and I got to work on that. But it's always cool to to keep up with with y'all, and I've enjoyed uh, my times down there. As you said, Kathleen's living down in St. Francisville, so I may spend a little bit of time down there. She uh, we got to get her back playing. She hadn't picked up her clubs I think since she graduated. But uh, <laughs> that's so that's so that's maybe I'll finish on that question. That's the hardest part for kids when they get to maybe their senior year. I call it senioritis, where they, they aren't going to turn pro, uh, and maybe they're not as motivated. But how do you keep that senior maybe motivated who's maybe not going to play pro but maybe going to get a job? How do you kind of keep them fired up to, to kind of strive some more? Well, we honestly haven't had that too much uh, on our team. But uh, but but I would say that um, the, the LSU um, – sports at LSU, you play here, um, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can't you can't be on the men's golf team, women's golf team, and go to Baton Rouge Country Club or Country Club Louisiana, or you know, and not feel like you're important because the members out there and the people in the community they make you. I mean, you're 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 their star. Uh, so so you know if, if all, all it would take for one of our guys, if they were seniors, to show up at at Baton Rouge Country Club or Country Club Louisiana one day at one o'clock, and and you're going to have the members on the putting green are going to be. They're, they're going to stop everything they do to watch you hit your tee shot on number one mm-hmm. because that, because it means that much to them that you play for LSU. So I, I really haven't had um, any, any guys who weren't motivated. I mean, it's just, it's a special university. The people are what make it special. Uh, and and the, the support in the community and alums, you know, and, and that, that really, says it all from the standpoint of our guys being motivated to perform for them yeah i've seen it some but as my wife says you got to be proud of that name on the bag and the bag says lsu uh and i think you know that's one of the things uh, i remember you were at a junior tournament in kathleen and you did a dun 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 and kathleen just smiled yeah, and right. you know i mean it was just so cool right. to, to and i think that's the coolest part is is uh, to have my wife and my daughter play there and to follow in there but uh I appreciate you being with us. Uh, I kind of like to end it this, whether it's life or golf, you may have only one shot and, and you've made it count and, and you're still making it count with these young men. And, and we appreciate you being so kind to Kathleen and, and uh, our family as we come down there, but good luck in the spring coach. And uh, as coach O says, go Tigers. <laughs> Thanks for everything, Jim. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thank you.